0: Life is one confess I had a lot of fun putting that slideshow together uh, because I think there was some fun that was had this summer. It could have been from boating to biking, uh, from fishing to ice cream eating, um, from uh, being on a dirt bike, uh, being on a regular bike. Man, you can have some fun. In fact, I want you to just think about what was your highlight of the summer? And sorry, by the way, if your picture wasn't up there, couldn't get to everyone's fun. But anyway, what was the highlight of your summer? For the Bloomer family, uh, we went to this place. It's this this picture of paradise. It's called Lincolnshire, Illinois. Have you heard of Lincolnshire? Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Love the South Side. Anyway, but they have this mini golf course called Par King. And it's like 50 years old, and it's just well done. I love playing some putt-putt golf. And on this day, the reason Catherine's there is she is the winner. Probably no surprise to some of you who don't know Catherine. Uh, She got to pick what ice cream you were getting that night. That was the reward for winning that day. Um, And it was one of those moments where everything was good. Like, the sun is shining. You feel healthy. People are in good moods. Like, even the playlist was right. And I don't know about you, but I love it when the song, the the right song comes on at the right time. Like, even that was going on there in that moment. As I bring that up, and as you're thinking about your moment, beachside, at a restaurant, the theological question I want to ask Did God know you were having fun? And was he for it? Another way to ask that question is, is God in the good times? Now, as you're thinking about that, I want to bring you back to the very beginning of the Bible. And welcome, by the way, if you're not a Christian, if it's your first time in church. But I want to bring you back to the very beginning when God created a garden called Eden. And that place was so fun, it was so good, that if it had a sign over the Garden of Eden, it would have read, Good Vibes Only. It would have read, Pura Vida. Like, that's what God had in store for his people. God's heart was one of goodness. Planned really good things for his people. But then the devil came along. And the devil tried to convince Ab and Eve that God's heart was a little bit different. And when talking about the one tree they couldn't eat of, The tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they could have eaten from every other tree, thousands of trees. This was the one tree. The devil had this to say about the heart of God. When talking to Eve, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, the only way to have true fun is to go apart from God's will. There is this category of fun That God has, God knows about, but he doesn't want you to get there because he's a holdout. Have you ever thought that? It's interesting that the devil doesn't have any new lies. He just uses the same effective lies over and over and over. And unfortunately, this one's effective. Because I think we've all believed at one point or another, there's fun out here, but God doesn't want me to have it because he's not fun. I think this is especially true when you're a teenager. You remember your teen years? Some of you are in those years. You're flexing your freedom for the first time, and you're finding out, you know, what does the world have to offer, and you're tempted to flex in ways that God says no or your parents said no, but you don't have the the wisdom of hindsight. You don't have the wisdom of experience. And so as you're flexing your freedom, you make mistakes, and you come to realize, as us old people do, that God had good in mind. (laughs) There was a reason. There was a law right there. Because on the other side was not good. On the other side was pain. And it could have been fun in the moment, but it wasn't fun in the long term. So some of you know that breaking God's law is called sin, and I have a working definition of sin. You can write it down if you want it. Sin is temporary pleasure for long-term pain. You ever think of how sweet that fruit was? I bet for Adam and Eve, in that moment, it probably tasted good. But the long term consequences of that? Ouch. And so, what do we know about the heart of God? God wants good for you. It's the devil who wants bad for you, the devil who tempts you. The devil's goal in life is to make you as miserable as he already is. What really helped me understand the heart of God is having a parent's heart. Uh, Some parents in the room, uh, some of you have parents' hearts, even if you don't have kids. And I don't know about you, but I've never sat down concocting pain for my child. Like, that, that's never been, like, a parental moment. Like, they think that when I give chores to them. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the dead face when you give them chores. Like, why do you hate me? Right? Like, but that's not even, like, me trying to give them pain. That's actually me trying to help them because they need a job someday. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I've never, like, sat down, like, how can I make life bad for them? Hmm. I've had the opposite. In fact, some of you did back to school shopping. Don't you love it when you get to pick out the shoes that they want and there's money in the bank for them? Here you go, daughter. Jordan wants. All right. Don't crease them. Don't crease them. All right. Here's that outfit. You wanted it. We have money for it. You go on that first day. You just rock it. You just look good in that outfit, right? It's why we love vacation. Because on vacation, we get to show them the world and we see their eyes light up and they're like, wow, I didn't even know it existed. Thank you so much, Mom and Dad. Maybe I'll stay in the family for a while. Just don't come back after college. But anyway, right? um, I'll be with you. That's the heart of a parent. And that's what Jesus was talking about when it came to the heart of God. I love this section in Matthew where Jesus just called out, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And that's just hilarious. I love Jesus' illustration. Have you ever in the moment, like, the kids ask for pizza, right? And, like, you have this rattlesnake basket and you put it out, like, no! Eat this! Right? Like, Jesus like, that's not going to happen. No one, no one does that, right? If you then, though you're evil, right, you get it wrong. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So what is good all about? What is fun all about? Fun is about the presence of God in your life. Fun is about knowing His heart. Fun is about His grace and His mercy where He wants to wow you and show you that He loves you more than you even know. That's what, that's what it's about. And James, the brother of Jesus, he put it perhaps in the best way from our first lesson. James, the brother of Jesus, said every good and perfect gift is from above. We can have some good in a moment, but it's not always perfect. God is saying if it's truly perfect and leads to no regret, guess where that came from? That's from my heart. And so if you're taking notes, here's our first takeaway as it comes to the theology of fun. God authored your most fun times. God was in them, God was for them, God was rooting for you, God was lighting up as your face light up and said, wow, this is good. And to talk about this today, I want to turn to a man named David, and some of you know King David. And uh, what we have in uh, kind of the backdrop of today's lesson is David before and after a battle. So what's interesting about the book of Psalms is that Psalm 20 is all about approaching a battle and wanting a victory and wanting to overcome and wanting success. Psalm 21, the success came. David won the battle. David gets to wear a crown that he took from another king. In fact, one Bible commentary uh, said that this psalm is a reference to 2 Samuel chapter 12, where it says this, that David took the crown from the king's head and it was placed on his own head. It weighed a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones. David took a great quantity of plunder from that city. In our terms, the project was done and here's the payday. He even got a bonus. That's a good day. That's where David is living. And so we're going to hear what David wrote about this experience in Psalm 21. So feel free again, take notes in the handouts, open a Bible or on the screen. Let's get into God's word. Here it says, The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings. And made him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. And through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will lay hold on all your enemies. Your right hand will seize all your foes. When you appear before battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and his fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth, their posterity from mankind. Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes. They cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with drawn bow. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might. I just love that emphasis that we get to talk about how many times you refer to God's strength, God's power, God's victory. As we get into things, can you turn to someone next to you and say, God's got good for you. God's got good for you. God's got good for you. So I was thinking of something recently, and it's always scary to be in the mind of a pastor, by the way. I'm sorry, that's part of the gig, like you're just kind of filtering through how I'm thinking. Um, And and I was thinking of this thought that if I had a time machine and I could go back to the most awkward version of myself, because we all have an awkward phase, don't we, right? If I could go find the most awkward version of myself and tell him what was going to happen, he would not believe me. So, so this is uh, one of the most awkward periods. It, it was a long stretch for a while. This is like fifth grade Dustin, by the way. I'm, I'm in the middle with like the buzz cut, you know, deal there. And, and, and if I showed up as a four-year-old and, and had a conversation with this chubby little boy, um, he would not believe the good that God had in store, starting with my wife. Like if I would uh, show him on my phone and be like, what's that uh, picture of my wife? She'd be like, no, dude. You know that's dreaming big, but that's no—that's not, that's not for us. You know, um, sorry. Right? If I would show a picture of the daughters that we have, and I would describe the, the good qualities that are in them, you'd be like, um, "Yeah, that's that's not us." Like I don't know where that character would have come from, because that's not what we're doing right now. Okay, so that's a lie. If I would tell them the experiences that I've been able to have if I would tell him some of the places that I've been able to visit, if I would have told him just the simple fact that I made it through school to become a pastor, he'd be like, dude, like, could you stop already? Or even like the cars that I get to drive, like he would have lost his mind, right? Not the Priuses, but anyway. (laughs) And I wonder if you did the same experiment, what your younger self would say. Do you have a phase of life? That if you went back to and you found that person and you told them all the good that was in store, they're just like, "Um, nope, not going to happen. No, that's not what we're thinking about. That's not even in our plan, right? Because what we know from the hindsight, from a 40-year-old looking back at a sixth grader, is that God had plans for me and God had plans for you and God was good. In fact, one of the passages that Christians love to throw around is Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, maybe you've heard of this one. For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so what I believe about the plans of God is our next takeaway. That I believe God's dreams for your life came even before your dreams for your life. That the God who ordained all your days and planned where you live and, and planned family things and, and planned good things, He said, I got some good you couldn't even dream of in mine. And I think that's where David is in this moment. I think that's where David is. Because David is saying in verse 2, you have granted his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. I don't know if it's ever happened where like something you didn't even speak out loud, there it was, God granted it, and it shows God's goodness. It shows that he's working in our lives. That's just what God does. I heard a great quote from uh, Pastor Charles Spurgeon about this idea. Uh, Charles Spurgeon put it this way, mercy in the case of many of us ran before our desires and prayers and it ever outruns our endeavors and expectancies and even our hopes are left to lag behind. I love the way he put that. I wish I could talk like that. I'd sound more smart. It's awesome. Mercy ran before us, before our expectancies, right? Right? But then at this church, I I walk with some people who love this kind of as their life verse, that God is the one who gives immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Have you heard that verse? And so if I could freshen up the idea, I saw a meme that freshens up the idea. It's right here, right? And, And some of you have been in that moment where you're like, oh, my goodness, I did not expect all this. But I'll try to eat it all, right? But there is a challenge, When your dreams come true, there is a challenge when the desires of your hearts are fulfilled. In fact, I would tell you as a a pastor, a spiritual perspective, that usually the bad times are healthier for the soul because many people don't know what to do with the good times. They they fall out of line in the good times. They don't know how to handle success, so I just need to warn you. In fact, this idea, it kind of reminds me of God's people in the Old Testament. God had planned good for them that they would come out of slavery into the promised land, a land filled with milk and honey, a land where they prospered, a land where they're just, you know, living the good life, living their best life. It's just going to be really, really good. And when that plan was finally fulfilled and being fulfilled, God gave them a warning, a warning of what happens to hearts when things go our way. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the warning went this way. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Because that's what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to forget our need. We're tempted to forget who authored it, who gave it, who allowed it. Be careful. Don't forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Can we be honest that we live in the land of many proud hearts? Do you see it? A land where when something goes well, there's a lot of chest beating and there's a lot of bragging and there's a lot of boasting and there's a lot of conversation about self-made men and women. You know, sometimes the, the good things in our life They don't talk about God's work. They talk about my work. Sometimes the vacations in our life, they they don't talk about God's mercy. They talk about what I earned. I earned this. I deserve this. That that even our kids and their shining moments are testaments of our character and testaments of, of who we are. And the idea of that is kind of like building a house. And when you're done building the house, you say, look what I built. Not recognizing who gave the wood, who got the tools, who gave the resources, who gave the acuity to put that all together. And God's like, oh, what about me? And so much we see how pride infuses our culture, infuses our own hearts. So the opportunity is to learn from David. Because when David was in that moment where his dreams came true, look what David said. He said, the king rejoices in whose strength? Your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories that you give. And this is David off the battlefield. David who just came from war. His sword is still bloody. He's exhausted from the work it took to win. And yet he recognizes none of that would have been possible without the Lord. And so what we're drawn to do instead of just beating our chests and saying about us, we're drawn to do based on what David says is this, that as often as God grants fun or victory or success, so often should we be prompted to praise. See, the point of fun isn't fun itself. The point of fun is to wrap ourselves up in the author of that fun and to think on him. The destination of our heartbeat isn't ourselves. The destination of our heartbeat over all the good things God has given is the author of that. And that's what David is recognizing. I love coming together and recognizing the strength of our God. We get to rejoice over the strength of God in this place. The strength of God that was over our sin through the cross. We rejoice. The strength of God that is over death that we all face because he's risen the strength of God that is over the hard moments and the down moments because He's working for us and He's there with us. So here's our next step for today. Our next step is this to let the fun of creation point you back to the goodness of the Creator. Fun isn't the point itself, fun is the reason to lift our eyes to the point of our God who's not just over the mere moments of our life, but is over the entirety of our life and has won the victory of this world. Let's praise God in those good times. Let's think on him. Let's remind our kids, hey, do you know where that came from? Do you know why this happened? Do you know who allowed this? This is our God. You know, it's interesting what happens to hope when your dreams come true. Hope is so important, would you agree? Hope is so important. When hope is gone, it's a hard life. But when hope is there, it's so good. You can get through anything. But when, when hope is there, it, it's kind of like, I'm um, a movie watcher, kind of like this gal, Cinderella. And if you've ever seen Cinderella, you know that it ends pretty well. And there's this song from Cinderella. That says, a, dream, a wish is a dream your heart makes. I'm going to read some lyrics. It says, have faith in your dreams and someday your rainbow will come smiling through. No matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dream that you wish will come true. There's a proverb that speaks about when our, our wishes and dreams come true. This proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. When what you're hoping for comes true, man, does it infuse hope. It enlivens hope. It it grows hope into this big tree. But can we be honest? There's another side. I know we're talking about fun, but can we dwell a little bit on the other side? Because sometimes the dream we had doesn't come true. Sometimes we know it's not going to come true. It's not able to come true. And the flip side of this coin is not being like Cinderella, but being like Anne Hathaway and Les Mis. So here's Anne Hathaway and Les Mis <laughs> tangent. We took our, our church to Les Mis one time, and I had never seen it before. I had no idea how seedy it was. So I apologize if you were in that group and we went to Les Mis. I'm like, we're going to see God, and we're going to see a lot of other stuff. So anyway, but if you've seen Les Mis, you know that this is a moment that's not so good in the life of this character. And she sings this song, I Dreamed a Dream, with very different lyrics than Cinderella's song. And those lyrics are this, I had a dream my life would be so different from the hell I'm living, so different from what it seemed. Now life has killed the dream I dreamed. And that's down. And that's a different side of the coin. But it's true, isn't it? I don't have to go into detail to explain the emotions and the feelings of what she might have been feeling to sing this song because there's something in me that knows that you know. But I want to tell you something that set me free this week as I was studying this psalm. It seems kind of silly, but what set me free was the context of what's going on in Samuel chapter 12. So I was investigating when David got his crown, this dream fulfilled. And so I look up into in Second Samuel chapter 12, and I see this title, and it kind of surprises me because the title of 2 Samuel chapter 12, I invite you to do it, is Nathan rebukes David. And some of you know this story. If you don't know this story, let me explain. David had just committed adultery because he didn't go out to war. He was not where he was supposed to be, so he committed adultery. David, after that, has this heinous idea to kill Uriah in this like, evil genius sort of way uh, when it came to war, and, and he accomplished it. So now he's not only adulterer, but he's also a murderer. And what's so interesting in the society we live, if anyone should have been canceled in the cancel culture that we excel at, that is David. David should be blacklisted. We should not hear from David again. We should not have Psalms of David. If anyone deserved to be written off of like, who the heck would do that? That's David. But then there's God's mercy. Because God's kingdom doesn't operate like the kingdom of this world. And God's kingdom doesn't rejoice in canceling people. It rejoices in sinners who turn back to God in repentance. And so, in the very same chapter where God could have said, You're done, is the chapter where Solomon is conceived, where Joab, his friend, calls him out to war because they're already winning. And Joab says, I don't want the glory. You should get the glory, king. And so he gets back to where he should be. And in the same chapter of his worst defeat is the fulfillment of his greatest dream. And the crown is sitting on his head. Why does that matter? If good times were reliant on your righteousness, we wouldn't have good times. If victory and success were all about how we got it right, that is bad theology, it doesn't play out. Because none of us get it right all the time and not condoning sin. What I'm trying to let you marvel at is the mercy of our God. Because the good times of your life and the possessions that you praise and the things that we enjoy they are testaments testament to the mercy of God. I love this point, that the fun of life, it's not reliant on my righteousness, but on the mercy of God. You know, in this moment, if all you can rejoice about is the victory of God over your sin, that's still enough to erupt in praise. If all you can rejoice about is that you know a mansion is waiting for you regardless of the state of your life, you know on the other side of eternity there's this place with your name on it prepared for you that's enough to stay true to our God. If this discussion of fun is kind of grating to your spirit because you're not in a fun place right now, you still have a God who is with you and who is for you and will never leave and never forsake you and that is enough to praise God. What also set me free is the timing. The very same chapter where a dream died, a dream was fulfilled. In fact, sometimes it's the way life works. The only way a better dream can happen is if God lets one dream die, that's the only way it's gonna get better. I'm a huge believer in seasons and what I've learned about seasons is that no season lasts forever. Your kids aren't going to be infants forever and they're not going to be in diapers forever, not in high school forever. That's true of us. There is no season that lasts forever. And I love the psalmist who says, weeping, it might last for a little while, but rejoicing comes in the morning. What I love about the mercy of God is that in our down days, sometimes we believe God has turned his back God is no longer with me or for me. In fact, I don't know if I'll ever get good again. And I'm here to tell you, that's not Scripture. That's not the Spirit. There may be consequences of sin. I get that. But God still has good for you, the forgiveness and the mercy that he brings. Hmm. But to close today, as we talk about fun, as we pursue the fun, I think of fun kind of in the terms of like building a sandcastle on the seashore. You ever done that with kids? You ever uh, spend some time maybe with kids, grandkids, yourself, you build a a sandcastle? What's interesting about any sandcastle that you build, they usually don't last the day, do they? Sandcastles get smashed. And sometimes it's the kid who builds a sandcastle just so he can smash the sandcastle, right? Going to have fun jumping on it. Sometimes it's the waves that come in and you kind of just didn't understand the tide and the tide came in, sandcastle. Sometimes it's the kid who wasn't paying attention walks on your sandcastle, right? Why I bring this up is because sometimes we're trying to build this sandcastle we call a good life. This sandcastle called God's pleasure, God's righteousness. We're pursuing the good things of God. And there's sandcastle smashers. That's true of David's life. God wanted to build many good things, and along the way, there was always someone who wanted to smash the sandcastle. He's anointed as king. Saul wants to kill him. He's given his wife. His wife despises him. He builds a palace. His son takes the palace uh, in a coup. He kills Goliath. He fights the Philistines as long as he lives. Sandcastle built. Sandcastle smashed. Sandcastle built. Sandcastle smashed. And that's life, isn't it? Life is this continual, but I'm trying to build the good. And there's enemies. They're smashing my castle. But look what David had to say about the enemies of God and the enemies of good. He said, Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with the drawn bow. The evil in your life, whether it comes from within, whether it comes from other people, whether it comes from this world, God stands over as he stands over our sin, as he stands over the people who have hurt you. And this is so relevant because I know, I know you had a sandcastle along the way and someone smashed it and I'm sorry. I know that these were not your plans for your life. But God is with you. And God can help you rebuild and bring a new day So our final thought is this. No matter the enemies that stand in our way, because of God, we will experience good. You'll have evidence, I believe today, of his mercy and grace. If it's in the small thing like the sun, the big thing like a job promotion, you will see his mercy and his grace. And he'll always give you reasons to think on him in the good times because he's worthy of all our praise And right now, if you need his strength, it is there for you as you need to rebuild. May God help you in this season. And now let's pray together. And so, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that your heart for us is supremely good. In all of our fun times, let us be prompted not for pride but for praise. Lord, I pray for those whose life is anything but fun in this season who are really struggling. I hope they see the victory that you have over this world, over their life. Lord, we pray that you'd grant new seasons, new reasons to praise you because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, at this time, we get to uh, celebrate community. Uh, One of the ways we do this is we just confess our faith. And so if you're comfortable, uh, feel free to join us in a confession of faith. This is the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. All right.